This is Adam Hall, and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hi, my name's George Fisher for the England Roses, and you're listening to the Half Court Press. This is Ryan Gosmark from Belgium Rugby, and you're listening to Half Court Press podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast with our series Whistleblowers Umpiring Specials. I'm Teo McLeod. And today I'm sat here with Dominic Falcona. Hey, Dom. How you doing? Hey, mate. How you doing? What about yourself? Dominic is a football and futsal referee uh, here in Scotland, working with the Scottish Football Asso- Association. How's life? How's, how's, <sighs> how's COVID for you? Life's uh, well. COVID's just COVID. Just went over and went back to work. Literally missing working as a chef, miss working football for itself has actually stopped life as we know it for everybody. But we're getting there slowly. So tell us a bit about yourself, um, who, uh, where you're from, uh, how old you are, um, tell us a bit about your, your refereeing career. Hey, I'm 32 years old. I am originally from Edinburgh, but now residing in the Scottish Borders. Hey, absolutely stunning scenery. Hey, and so much more relaxed instead of the hustle bustle of the city, you're just chilled day in, day out. Uh, my career in refereeing started back in 2012 uh, when I took the course. Uh, and I was originally for football. Uh, and a couple of years later, we had the opportunity to start futsal, uh, which started up in Perth uh, back in 2002, I think. Uh, but actually, it started to branch out in 2014. Uh, and up until about three, four years ago, I was the only active referee in Edinburgh, despite the fact there have been six of us qualified. But I was the only active referee in Edinburgh for futsal. When you've got hey, four or five games to cover a night, it does get a bit tiring. But hey-ho, I managed. And I'm quite thankful for the guys up in Perth for their support in the early days of my futsal career. Uh, but yeah, say my career to date, probably the most notable ones in football was the second, third round tie in the Scottish Cup, William Hill. Uh, that was Whitehall welfare against East Stirlingshire. That was a great day. Fantastic game and fantastic opportunity I had. That, fits uh, that was football. So it was the proper Scottish Cup. Uh, I ran nine in that. I was AR2. Uh, it was a fantastic day. Uh, Sterling went on to win 1 0. Unfortunately, I had to fly uh, Whitehall Welfare offside, but it was a fantastic goal. But it was offside, so the flag went up. Uh, Most notable achievements in futsal, bear in mind, it's now 2020, so it's what six years since I started refereeing that. Within, say, the first 18 months of qualifying, I became part of the first ever Scottish Cup futsal cup final referees team. So I was referee two in the first ever Scottish Futsal Cup final. The following year, they were done it at the time. I was in, in the Scottish Futsal Cup final team again, but I was refereeing the select match. The way we done it back then was we selected a team of uh, six officials to referee the whole day. So the first year I was in the cup final. The senior year, I was on the select match. So I still a part of the cup final day, but... Still fantastic achievement to have. 
I've also refereed one international match in my career, and that was Scotland against Gibraltar up in uh, Perth at the Bell Sports Centre. Scotland won. Futsal, yes. Uh, Scotland won. Uh, I was the fourth official. So in Futsal, you have four referees on the court. So you've got referee one, it's his match. He's then assisted by referee two, who's on the far side, who's then assisted by the third official, who is like a fourth official in football. But he controls the technical areas, then transfers between the timekeeper, who's the fourth official, and referee one. So basically, the third or fourth official find anything untoward, they then feed back into referee one. We are in the Super League, we are quite, we are made up, but at regional level, it's not feasibly possible to be communicated up at all. But yeah, it's great fun. So as a, as a third or fourth official in futsal, you are basically dealing with the equivalent of Jose Mourinho or Pep Guardiola. Like, Pretty much. Yeah, having someone sort of shout in your ear going, that's, that's yeah. not quite cool. I'm not the guy on the pitch, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much. It's more so the third official has to deal with the managers. Uh, fourth official, so the timekeeper, which is sat at the administration desk, so like in basketball or netball, there's like a wee admin desk at the side, or even hockey, I think. Uh, basically, we our main job there is to start stop play. So start stop the clock. Uh, and in Brutzel, it's a 20-minute half uh, stop clock. So a 20 minute half can last 45 minutes easily because uh, you're stopping everything goes out of play. Uh, so that's primarily the first official job to the keeper. Uh, he also records any match instance on the sheep beside him as well. Right, so before we go any further, what is the difference between football and futsal? And how they is are futsal different to five-a-side football? Five-a-side football is unregulated. You can literally go in and annihilate a player and get away with it. Futsal, you can't. Futsal is played to the same laws as football. But there are a few main differences. The number of players for a start. Futsal, you can only have five players per team on the court at any time. Uh, unlimited substitutions in futsal. You have a four-second count to release the ball from any restart. Uh, and most importantly, there's no offside in futsal. Uh, so I think that is the main differences. It's also geared more towards the technical player as well. So we've got in Edinburgh, we have Dalkeith Thistle. They've got a team that play in Amsterdam and Juvenile Leagues, playing the futsal league, and it's developing their players technically as well. Uh, but that's probably the main differences. Is the ball different in futsal? Yes, yeah, sorry, it's a size four weighted ball. So it doesn't it doesn't bounce or roll in the same way. No. Uh, literally it bounces so high and that's it. I wouldn't recommend heading it. <laughs> uh, it can be quite sore. But, but yeah. There's always I'm sure there's always one Scottish guy who goes, Okay, I can do that. Ah. Uh, we do see quite a lot of headers, but I wouldn't recommend it personally. <laughs> I've done it, it's sore. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> As a player, when did you start playing football, and when did you transition in, into 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 refereeing? What was the prompt? I first met you. Uh, I believe. Obviously, you've met me as a coach in the past, but um, my playing career didn't really take off. Like I know I was a fairly decent goalkeeper, 
but it was one of those. I'm never going to make it professional, but I'm never going to make it to play for Scotland. I knew that from quite a young age. I, I just worked away, worked away. So my coaching career started basically the same time as my playing career. I, I concentrated more on my coaching, so I started coaching when I was about 18 years old. I, and then I coached for a good couple of years, and then I just one day stopped. <laughs> I, so I was what? I, I think it was 2011. I stopped all forms of football. I just fell in love with the game completely. I, so, like I say, I started when I was 18 and then 2011, so it was a good, what, several years anyway. I, I just fell in love with the game. I'd given up so much time. At the time, I was at uh, Hibs. I, I just, I started because of my sister. I, I started, but I got to the point where I was out six days a week at football as a volunteer and I was giving up three four hours a day and that was just planning my sessions for the goalkeepers and then not having goalkeepers show up not having goalkeepers taken seriously and our coaches from our clubs or even coaches within the same club just not taking your ideas seriously enough and then I just had enough so last game of the season, we lost 6-5 to Aberdeen uh, and we came second in the league. Uh, but that was my last game for Hibs. Uh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. But I need to take some time to myself now. Handed my jersey back and I left. Uh, I took 11 months out. Probably not the best sabbatical to take when you've just spent so much of your time in football. I then spent... the. 11 months after that, all in Turkey, all over, all over England. I went and watched football, I became a football supporter again. Uh, I got so far along, I was like, you know what, it's one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, I'd be on the football field, setting keepers up. <sighs> I'm sad to miss this. And I was actually my dad and my sister, they got me back into football. Uh, they got me on to muscle over Windsor. Uh, and I started coaching there again. But literally, 2012 was the year I became a referee. Oh, because literally, it was well, what football, what sorry. Is what problem me is a, I fancy that challenge. I was like, you know what? I've done a coach. I've done playing. I quite fancy a challenge. I'll become a referee. I, and I basically got in contact with the Edinburgh Association. It's like, I'd like to become a referee. How do I go about doing it? And they were great. They're like, fair enough. Here's the email address. Here's what you do. Email us. You're not in dress. We'll send you out the next course. I went to St. David's and Del Keith for 10 weeks and qualified at the end of it. I, and I've not looked back since. I love it. So <laughs> Absolutely love it. This, this feeds into the, into the next question of how do you become a referee? What is the, what is the process? How do you get educated? A... Every association's different on how they set up. I, I can only speak for Edinburgh because I don't know how Glasgow or Perth or Aberdeen work. But in Edinburgh, what we do is you email the instruction team. So what you do is you go into the SFB website and you'll see the email address for the Edinburgh district secretary. So you email that address 
and then your details are then passed on to the referee instruction team who then get in contact and tell you when the next class is and then you go and set your course for 10, 12 weeks or long the course is uh, then you have to set the exam at the end of it to pass and become a referee that's a two part process a part one is the theory side so before you get a whistle in your hand and a couple of cards to go onto fields to referee you must pass the theory exam with a minimum mark of 80% as soon as you've done that you then have to referee one full size association match watched by a qualified referee and that's your second part of your exam and you pass that everybody passes that because they're there to help you they're not going to chastise you in your first game you've done this wrong, you've done that wrong that's what it's about they're there to help you develop looking back on my first game my first game was actually running the line in our school's cup final and I'm still friends with the referee to this day but my full full size almost game was the following day because I'd passed the exam I could run the line as an assistant referee but I couldn't referee a match because I hadn't been assessed so that's how I'd done it I'd done the line first and then I ran ran the middle I had four referees watch me that day (laughs) because of various reasons the referee from the game before stay behind to watch me the referee the association sent came along and then a couple other boys came along because the games were cancelled and they had nothing else to do. Like they'd done their training in the morning. So, like, I'm free this afternoon. I'll go and watch Don Watt referee. And it was probably the best thing that happened. Four referees watching me. And I got so much invaluable feedback from them. It was, it's what's made the referee am today. Uh, but that's basically the process. And then from there, there is further education available as well. So, I'll go into that later on. It being, how do you keep learning? How once you qualified, surely it doesn't stop. As you, as you uh, there's always room for improvement. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, basically, we attend referee meetings. Uh, as silly as that sounds to like the listeners, but we do attend monthly referee meetings and our coaching clips. So one month it could be offside, the next month it could be mass concentrate, uh, concentration. The following month it could be teamwork. It's literally we had clips up on the TV, not TV, up on the projector, and we watched them. And then we're all coached to the same standard. So we're all sat at the meeting and we're all watching the clip. And then we go around the room and we're all asked our opinion on what happened or what could be done better or what do we think was good about the clip. And literally, all the tools are there to help us improve constantly, and all the tools they are used to. Like I say, it helps the referee that's in the club get better as well. So this is interesting. Um, in one of the episodes for the series, which hasn't been published yet, it, um, there's a hockey umpire does a lot of video analysis. Um, Kitty Dunn, who will be uh, one of the episodes after you. And uh, she, she, she's a big fan of this uh, video analysis type situation um, and, and clinics. In, in the way that I learned to be a coach, we had coaching clinics, but it sounds like, like there's a similar thing going on with, with you and your refereeing in terms of yeah. getting together and working things out together. 
yeah, like even still, like we're all most referees, especially in Edinburgh, we are very close knit. We do know each other, we know of each other, and we enjoy working with each other. Uh, if we're not sure of something, or we see a clip on YouTube and go, right, this is from my game. What could I have done better? I'll fire the fire the clip over to a friend and I'm like, all right, yeah, right, fine, looks good to me. Or you could have done this better, you could have done that better, and vice versa. We're all asked on our opinion of each other's games. So we are quite close now, we're very, very close, and we do like to work with each other and improve each other, especially with training as well. They, I always remember I was just a, I was a trainee referee, if you like, if you like to put it that way. But I started going to referee train basically straight off the bat. I, and that was up at Edinburgh University. We don't train there anymore, but I, I always remember training referee didn't know anybody apart from my instructors who were still active referees. I went in, but actually from that day, everyone in the association was so welcoming. Like the category one referees, so the top referees in Scotland, they were all like, "All right, I'm so and so. Nice to meet you. Just give it your best." When I first started, my goal was probably silly because the category ones are so much further than any other referee in the association. So basically, I've seen your refs. So category one down to three are probably the most fit are the fittest referees we've got for a new guy coming in off the street to qualify as a referee, most of us aren't the fittest. Uh, I was feeling the fit on the side, but I was nowhere near the fitness that I needed. My goal was to keep up with the category ones to when I first started. I'd done it, but looking back in hindsight, it was probably, it was a good thing to do, because it showed I was keen, but at the same time, I probably burnt myself out faster than I should have. I should focus on what I could do, instead of what I can do. Uh, I was just pushing myself. It's always good to push yourself, though. So looking back, it was a good thing. But on hindsight, I probably got out of the front. I wouldn't constantly be at it at 110, 150% whole training session. I'd maybe start in a warm-up. So you go from 50 to 70 to 80 to 90 to 100. And warm-up was boom, straight up to 150. So it's just me. Anything I do is maximum effort. But Looking back, I probably should have done warm up and went warm up body up and say just one boom full pelt. But it is what it is. So so moving on from education, what makes you the three? What is the story? Personality. Personal speaking, I think personality. Uh, how you talk to players, how you react to a game, but you could have a real difficult game. Like, you can have a derby match and it's ticking along nicely, nicely, nicely. Then all of a sudden, there's a, a flashpoint in the game. And it depends on how the referee deals with that, how what, what the outcome of the game is. Like, I had one in my amateur match. I had one. I had a flashpoint. And I used my personality. I got my point across, but I calmed the players down. I laughed and I joked to them. I was like, look, that was a bit silly. Come on. There was nothing more of a fill. There was no need for the action you had. Just calm yourself down and let's play on. And I avoided any red cards, any cautions, because I used my personality. 
I, I can't be gutted, like, we got at times. And that's what we try, as referees, we try to come across. As, look, you can't speak to me, but have to watch the line. I don't want you coming to me every three, four seconds. Ref, ref, ref. Come to me when it's appropriate and don't shout at me. If you come yelling at me, you just, whoa. <laughs> I'm not going to be very approachable, am I? It's like, would you get away with that if you're on a night out? But actually, a couple of words have yelled at me, and it's like, well, calm down, start again. What's wrong? Yes, I've seen the fill. If with advantage, you've not got a corner kick. Or, yes, I've seen the fill. I've put advantage. There's no advantage, so I feel the bat. You've not got your free kick. Calm yourself down, or I'll caution you. Many times where you just use your personality and just tell them to calm down, it does work, a treat. But yeah, what makes a good referee? Their personality and how they handle situations. The best one I, I had was um, playing Sunday League football at a junior level, I think it was. And uh, yeah, great standard. Um, my career's gone downhill ever since. But it's um, the, referee, the referee for this, this match was, was uh, one of the main senior guys in the league. I think I think a couple of players were grappling, you know, getting a bit a bit a bit close to each other, shall, shall we say? And yeah. you know, we hear this booming voice come out at across the pitch, going, "Let go of him! He's not your girlfriend." <laughs> and people were laughing, people were smiling. It sort of deflates that situation. Yeah, like obviously, we're we're advised not to do that sort of thing because some people can't take offence at that, but. <sighs> If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you're in a wee bit of trouble. But it is, it can happen. I'm not going to stand here and say we're perfect because we're not. But when it works, it works a treat. But there are occasions where even humour doesn't work and you're going to have to be a lot stricter than what you normally are. I've went from a few of the senior guys that were about when I started. Uh, and I'll, I'm not going to change my ways because it works for me. Like, when I say I'm not going to change my ways, that's not the right word. My pre-match, how I set up the match, how I set up my cards in my pockets, that's what we want. I'm not going to change. It works for me. I'm always looking to develop myself as a referee. I'm always looking to develop for the best of the game so the game can get the best out of me and the teams get the best referee they can get on that day. So when I'm saying I'm not going to change for any my ways for anybody, that's not sure true. When I say that, I mean I'm not changing when I keep my cards. How one was so because it works for me. Like everybody is buying on you should have Fox 40. I prefer a Valkyrie. It's every referee's personality, every referee's personal choice. It's it is what it is. But I always I always keep my cards where I know where they are. And I've only ever had one instant where I've Picked the wrong card out of my pocket because it's been a boom. Oh, I need a card out. Ah, but it's been once in eight years, so I must be doing something right. <laughs> Incidentally, it was a red card I pulled out when it should have been a yellow. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you can't, um, that's harder to retract, isn't it? Oh, yeah, you're it was a, <laughs> yeah, but there are there are procedures for when that happens. Uh, you also say the goalkeeper had a, 
a little heart attack uh, when I cautioned them, but shown them the red card. Yeah, that was uh, taken down immediately at Rissendid, and the yellow card was issued promptly. Needless to say, I'm a. Uh, I've not lived that one down for a while. <laughs> I'm still remind. I'm still reminded of it to this day. So, referees <laughs> <laughs> are humans too. I think. We, I think we, we tend to forget yeah. that as we yelling, yelling dog views in the guy's face. Yeah, it's like, look, oh, it's my mistake. I realise this. It's not a red card, relax. It's a yellow. <laughs> but yeah, even when you just speak in plain English, because sometimes when you go to a player. You're being cautioned for doing this, this, and this, or you've been ordered off of this and this. Some people are just looking and go, what? Whereas you just want to look, you're in a yellow card or a red card for this offence. Thank you very much. What's your name, your number? Right. You'll be reported to the following association for the offence of hold. And that's just when you break into plain simple English, they take it a little better and going, right, you've been cautioned for this, or you've been ordered off for this. Because then they're like, oh, we're a bit officious there. But that's just some amateur players. That's how they can be. But other than that, I quite, I quite enjoy refereeing. It's a good laugh when it's going smoothly. But when I say it's a good laugh, I also take it very, very seriously. Everyone has to stay to their main fitness levels as well. I remember, so, I remember a few years ago, again, playing Sunday League, football, I think we're playing Spartans or something like this. And um, uh, a, Polish, a, a Polish teammate of mine uh, went in the book and, they, and, the, and the ref goes, right, you're being booked. What's your name? Kolchinski. What's your name? Kolchinski. How do you spell that? <laughs> What's your first name? <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, like, honestly, when that comes back to what I'm saying about pre-match, I always have the players' names in my book, so I know where they are. Or even if I don't know how to say it, I look at it and go, right, I'm not going to ask, because that's, that's going to be rude. If it doesn't anything wrong, I'll, I'll ask them then. So actually, I've got all the names in my book. And then it's like, oh, right, perfect, we're changing, right, boom, sorted. I know he's out where you are, you're number 12, like yellow card. Because it's all laid out in my book. Number, name, then a space for yellow red cards. It's, it works a treat. But every referee is differently. Like, I prefer to do that for myself. It, it works. The same when I'm on the line. I think I feel book out with me. And then I can watch you just go. If I'm second referee, if I'm assistant referee too, all I just do is take up where it's cautioned. It's fantastic. But actually, when you go out with a blank book and then you come across a situation like that, it does, it can lead to problems. So, preferably, you go out with a full book because then you've got all the players who are starting, you've got all your substitutes and all the numbers. So, if somebody's there that's not in your book, they don't play. It's as simple as that, it's part of the laws of the game. Uh, but yeah, whereas in futsal it's completely different. Uh, the referees don't go to a book. The only referee that has a book is the third official. Uh, he keeps an accurate record of the game. 
and he co- corresponds with the fourth official, who is the timekeeper. Uh, and between the two of them, they keep a true and accurate record of the match. Referee one, referee two of her own court just has to worry about administering the cautions, sanctions, and then everything else is done at the desk for them. How we, how would you describe the culture of attitude towards referees um, in, in your sports? Is there a difference in attitude to, between football and futsal? Uh, because futsal is still in its infrastructure stages in Scotland, like we're not, we're still classed as an amateur country, but we just got our best result in a European match. We drew 2 2 with Andorra. Uh, that was our best of result. That's our first points as well. Still got uh, as as a national team, uh, and we've done that fairly sharpish as well. Like where we are in terms of the sport, we're not that far behind England, and we're not that far behind the rest of the world because we are one of a few nations that has four referees appointed to every Super League match. Our Super League has promotion up to the UEFA, the, the Champions League for futsal. So the winner of, in the Scottish League then goes on to Scotland Scotland in international competition. Uh, actually, sword referees, because most amateur players are playing football and then come along and play futsal as well, that actually can be the same. Although I have noticed that in futsal, we do get a wee bit more respect than we do in football. It's back to that culture thing of that's a referee. Nah, 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 I'm not listening. But if you work with teams and clubs, that actually can't change. Uh, it's something the SAV has been doing, it's something the Association of Edinburgh has been doing, it's something even referees are doing. It's like we know the clubs, we'll try and get them on our good side or we get on their good side. So then, this look, we're referees, we're never going to get leave a match with everybody at 100% happy that is the ideal world but it's never going to happen uh, the worst the worst offenders are the supporters there's no question about it but ideal world is I show up to a game a good game for me is I show up to the game referee the game I leave and nobody's talking about me that is the ideal world and that is a good game for me Nobody's talking about the referee because I was there. I didn't do anything untoward. I didn't cause any issues. That is the idea for every referee to go in, do their job, go home, and nobody's speaking about us. But it doesn't happen because no matter what you do, there's somebody who won't like a decision you make. It's, it, it comes with the ground. It comes with the territory. But I do enjoy it. I do enjoy refereeing, and no matter how many times I get abused, I'll still referee. It's it is it's become second nature. You do have to have a thick skin to be a referee, but sometimes abuse can be a bit too much. But there are procedures in place where you can report that club to their respective association. If there is that case, FIFA have also tackled it by now bring in that we can caution or dismiss the uh, coaches. Uh, if we can't identify who it was, we can then just go, you know what, sure technically, it's your touchline, you're responsible, 
there's a young girl from the scent, or there's this for this. It, it does work a treat, uh, but you do get put coaches who don't take responsibility for the Dutch wine. But FIFA are tackling it properly, IFAB's tackling it properly. Personally speaking, from when I first started, the abuse is still there. But as I, I became used to it, or the abuse isn't as serious as it was when I first started, like it's calmed down a bit. I know that sounds completely contradictory to what happens in the SPFL, but down at the grassroots level, I feel I don't get as much abuse as I did when I first started. So, as I, like I say, I've become used to it, or I don't notice it, or it has calmed down a bit. Don't get me wrong, there are certain games where you do get abuse, but from when I first started, it's like every week somebody knew was having a go at the referee. Whereas I, I now it's like every, it's like once I'm moving, that it's severe enough for me to actually go, oh, what else in it? <laughs> That's a bit far. But the, uh, the late great Brian Clough, he w- he would say that if every time a player was booked or sent off, then the rest, then the uh, then the coach should be fined. Yeah, exactly. He said if that if that happened, they actually did that. Then you you see abusable referees go go out overnight. That would be the ideal world, but unfortunately, it is a slow slow battle to fight and we are winning slowly but you always get that one person who is there just to abuse the referee it is like I say that we're culture again but people do come across as oh it's football culture I can abuse the referee no we're human beings like everybody else we're there to do our job like say say you went out to do your day job say it's an same space. And then somebody out of nowhere just comes up and starts yelling at you in your face. That's not on to be stopped right there and be arrested. Whereas people shot to a film match and they think normal laws and common sense doesn't apply to them and they can do what they want, act like animals. Sorry, that's unfair. Say basically they can do what they want and it's not the case. But Unfortunately, it's became the case where it has become culture that the referee gets abused day in, day out. We are used to it, but if I was to say that we're not affected by abuse sometimes, I'd be lying. There are sometimes abuse does cut very, very deep and it does affect us. Hey, me personally, I've had abuse thrown at me and then I'm in the change room at the end of the match thinking to myself, what did I do wrong? What happened there? How... How has it came to this? Why did I get that thrown at me? Why did I get this said to me? It's like, that's unbelievable. I've never had that before. It's like, I don't understand how I can be managed wrong for eight to nine minutes and all of a sudden in the ninetieth minute, out of nowhere, because we know the reason to do it, a guy just yells an utter obscenity at me. And it's like, whoa. Oh, that's a bit uncomfortable. Uh, it's the ones that are always out the blue as well. It's the ones that tend to get get, get your card. But you always have full concentration from the first minute to the last minute. Whether that be extra time penalties or just a full 90 minute match, you always have your concentration on. 
does the does the SFA have any anything in place for like mental health issues? Yes, a in the Edinburgh Association we have three mental health first aiders, and they're there for all the members to use as and when required. A but yeah, a, it's actually something I'm going to look at doing myself. A, so we have another first aider there for mental health. A, but mental health has become a big issue over the last couple of seasons, and we are actually pretty well looked after at times. A, the SFA, they do like to look after us, a, especially when it comes to mental health. A, but they are doing the right things, they're doing the right steps. It's perfect for what, well, it's perfect for anyone that needs them in that situation. So if we have a referee that is experiencing a third time mentally, they can go to the mental health first aider or they can go to the association who will then send the first aider to them or even if we just talk to anybody, it helps. Like we're all there to support each other. I've I've spoke to senior listed referees myself, especially when I first started. And it's a bit of advice I'll never ever forget. It was from a Duke McDonald. I went to him because I was going through a balance spell, but I was on red cards a couple of matches in a row. And it's like, am I doing anything wrong? Am I doing anything right? What's going on? He's like, well, it happens. It happens to us all. You can go six months without a red card, or you can go two games, or you go like you, game after game after game. But if it's a red card, the warrant is a red card. Don't worry about it. The spell will pass. And true to what he said, I then went, I think it was, what, six, seven weeks without a record after I had that conversation with him. Uh, and then all of a sudden, another spell where I had two, three games without a record. But as he said, it comes and goes. You get games like that, you get runs like that. Now, I didn't send you this question earlier on because I didn't think of it. But... Could football and futsal could it benefit from sin bins? You know, in, um, hockey, in hockey we have three cards with a green card, two minutes in bin, yellow card, five minutes in bin, and then a straight red. There was talk about a sin bin being just a couple of years ago, but I don't think it took off. A person speaking at juvenile level, I think it would be beneficial. So when I say juvenile, I'm talking about from under 13s to under 19s. I think it'd be quite beneficial there. Then when you get to like under twenty ones and above, I don't think it'd work as effectively as we'd like it to work. So I don't think it'd be effective under twenty one and above. But say under nineteens and below, I think it would be a good idea. Me personally, uh, obviously I'm speaking for myself there, not the association. But it was looked at, but I don't think it got enough backing. Or I don't think IFAB found that it would have any effect. Yellow cards are, are basically pointless. People take yellow cards, and it's a tactical thing at times. Of okay, if I don't foul this person, they might score. Yeah. But if I foul it, it's just a yellow card. Yeah. You, know? like you do get that. You do get that. I have. I had a player a couple of seasons ago, which way I'd warned them. It's like, look, please watch what you're doing. You're on thin ice. It's this is your last warning. You do that again, I will have to wash it. I never was ref, which way, two minutes later. Boom, broke up a promise of that yellow card. It's like, I've warned you, I can't do anything. 
It's an hour yellow card. I find it was a And took it on the general all the way. It's like, so you do your players that are like that, technically, but then you get other players that go out of the way not to get cautioned. Like, I've had to caution, like, I was doing a, a pro youth match and I cautioned the boy because I had to do it. It's like, what well, you left me no option. I have to give you all the cards for that offence. Ah, all right, no worries, Jeff, thanks. I was like, you're right. It's like, no, I'm going to get a fine. It's like, why? It's like, because I got your card on. Yeah, it's a yellow card. But are you still in the match? Yes. Right. Will you do that again? It's like, probably not. It's like, well, you've won a lesson, haven't you? It's like, yeah. So we do try and coach players as well when we're giving them cautions. Like, look, that was silly. You're now in my boot. You're now in trouble because I'll report you for defence. Try and watch your tackles and time your tackles better. And you might have pulled a fantastic tackle. Or if you thought about it and just jockeyed your opponent, you might not even be in the book at all. Like, and the amount of players that respond to that, like, oh, I see what you mean, Rafi. But I'm still booked. Ah, you're still booked. <laughs> <laughs> you, always get them, you always get the chance. Of, so I'm still booked. Ah, you're still booked, you man. <laughs> but it does happen. But like I say, personally speaking, I think under 19s and below, the Simbin would be beneficial. But for under ones and above, I think the current system works better. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, and as I say, it's a personal opinion that I don't speak for the SFA or the Edinburgh District, but that is my personal opinion. 19th and below, similar will be ideal. Should referees be microphones? No. Why? We get enough abuse of this. Well, there's not enough knowledge out there of the football supporter. Uh, football supporters, as much as they claim to know the laws of the game, don't actually know two laws to draw together. They will have a fair idea of the laws, but what they feel to realise is it's the referee's job to know the laws of the game. Like, when I say to the woman, say, right, that would be unfair because we have, what, well, 17 laws to read, 17 laws to memorise, and then we've always got law 18, common sense. We do try and use common sense quite a bit, but if we started being microphoned up and then we stop pull a player in you've been cautioned for all this dangerous play we'd have uproar and stand going for what? because reckless dangerous play to a player person is what? what's that? what's that? it's just he's went in late recklessly he's shown small regard to his opponent but he's not fought through properly and he's mistaken the tackle in his way. Reckless dangerous play. That's what it is. It's a yellow card. You don't think it'd be, it, it would be no. educational? Uh, it could be educational, but I think we get more abuse than we get praise, to be honest with you. Uh, I can see where you're coming from, but at personal speaking, I don't think it would work in football uh, just because of the culture that's there at the minute. And I think it would bring on a wee bit more abuse than what we get or as it is. You were saying that the Super League in Futsal has um, audio for refs. Yes, uh, that's between referees. Uh, so 
obviously you'll watch the SPFL, the English Premier League, you for Champions League, you for Europe League and national matches. You'll see the referees all have comp kits on. Uh, basically, in futsal in the Super League, the referee one, two and third official are all mic'd up together. So we can all impute into the match straight away. So if we see a foul, we can feed into the referee straight away as like foul, foul, foul. Uh, that's what we'll say. Foul behind your back, number two, red. And then if he agrees, goes, yep, I've seen it, play advantage. Or, yep, good spot, free kick. Uh, we are all mic'd up. Uh, the only person that's not mic'd up at present is the timekeeper. But that's not really a big, big issue. Uh, because the timekeeper is right next to the third official. <clears throat> Excuse me. So actually, the timekeeper and third official get fed into the same microphone by the third official. So I'm on the clock and I'm counting, counting the clock down, stop, start. Tell ref one, that's five minutes to go. Right, ref one, last, last minute. We've got four fills against one team, two fills against the other, no more advantage blue. And then it's like, right, and we feed into this, feed into the referees all the time, keep keep them concentrating, and let them know what's going on with the match. Because futsal, let's say, there's no the referees don't have a book at Super League level. They rely solely on the third and fourth officials because we've got the fact sheet in front of us of the match, what's happened. It's a true reflection of the game. So we're looking at this. I've got the game board in front of me. And then, so if I'm on third official, the team keepers went to me, by the way, that's four fills blue, last minute, no advantage. Right, no worries. I'll feed straight onto the microphone. I'll feed to the referees. Four fills blue, no more advantage. Last minute, keep up. And that's exactly what goes on. But nobody can hear what the referees are saying to each other. So I had an incident in the Super League eh, before COVID broke out where I had a red card. Uh, I knew it was a, a bad tackle, but I had to clarify before I showed the, caution, the, the red card. So I went on to it. I spoke to my referee too. I was like, what did you see? What can you give me? I was like, a player ran from my site. Um, I wasn't sure of where the impact point was. So I can't offer any more advice. Oh, perfect. Thank you. I then went to my third official. I went, can you clarify what point the impact was? He's like, yeah. What do you think it was? I went, I think it was on the shin. Quite high up. He's like, you're correct. I went, red card, red card. So by just speaking to each other, whether I'm to get them to the court or me going over to him, just speaking to them through the comms, we got to the correct decision and the player was dismissed for serious foul play. Video assistant referees. Yes. VAR. Yes. Uh, in hockey, I think I think the equivalent it works. It seems to also uh, the rugby equivalent also seems to work uh, better than it's currently doing uh, working in in England. Should we say yes? Honestly, <laughs> hey, that's every nation will have their own way of using VAR. Uh, I can't comment on how England use it at all. But I think it's a great thing, VAR. If it is used to its full potential, it is fantastic. 
it, it works wonders. What's uh, what could be, what could be better? Uh, what's good about it is literally everybody understands. The referee goes across to the side of the pitch, he gets a view it, he then goes, yeah, spot on, good spot, and then blows a whistle, points to the penalty spot. Everybody's clear on what the referee is doing. Uh, everybody clear and how much with the video replay is only shown on a pitch side monitor. Uh, supporters won't like it, but in the, the day we drag everything correct that we can within our within our control, or we can be get something wrong and then the supporters are been more than us for weeks and weeks and weeks. We drag everything correct. We have what so say say there's been a free kick that's been missed accidentally or if we I'll play the advantage but actually we go and play on and play on and play on and then we get a view voice in our ear a penalty kick potential handball say a We'll blow the whistle, stop, go to the side of the pitch, we'll review the footage, and then obviously because the, T- the VR is connected to your headset, you'll have a conversation with him while you're watching it, and then you'll just decide from there if it's delivered or not. Uh, the law on handball has changed, uh, which way in years gone by, if your hands were by your side in a natural position, we would play on. Now, to a certain extent, we can't. If the ball strikes your hand, it's a handball. Full stop. We have very little glue in nowadays. Which is disappointing because I could be given a penalty for a non-intentional handball, but I have to do it as for the laws of the game. Otherwise, <laughs> it's actually unintentional. The ball, the boy's hand is moved at the way, but the ball still struck his hand. So I have to take into account where the body is, where he's facing goal, where his opponents are. So in that case, if the ball has struck his hand, we will nine times out of ten come to the conclusion, penalty kick. So if we, VR was used to its full extent, it will be a fantastic thing. But unfortunately, I don't think with the best one in the world, it can be used to its full, full potential. Yeah. Uh, Unless we're at like international level, so the Champions League, World Cup, the Euros, I think that's probably the only place we can get it properly up and running. And then, yeah, exactly. Because if you try and get VR every round in Scotland, there is a cost implication onto all the grounds, all the clubs, and then it's like, actually, is it worth it? Me, I think it would be a good good thing to have. As we, you know, last question of today. Uh-huh. What is the best thing about being a referee? The best thing about being a referee? Uh, well, it helps keep you fit. That's always a major plus. They, but yeah, so it keeps you fit. And as I was told when I first started refereeing, it is a free ticket to the best seat in the house. No, we're all referees because we love football. There's no getting away from that fact. That is probably the main reason why most people become referees because we love football and want to give something back. But 
is literally the best seat in the house. You're up close and personal. You're having an impact on the game. And literally, when the game's going full flow, there's nothing better than being there, making the decisions, and making the game what it is. It's, it's a good feeling to have, because you're like, I could be, I've been lucky enough to referee uh, East Road, Tincastle, and uh, Middle Bank. And all of those places, you're, you'd have to pay to get in and watch the game. Whereas I'm showing up, refereeing, and I'm right in action. I'm a close and personal with the players. I can see them. I know who they are. I can talk to them. I can stop them making a foul. I can encourage them to the game. It's what we're there to do. We're there. Our main job there is to apply the laws of the game to like national football. That is our main job. But we can do it while we have personality. We can also do it we obviously the common sense and to the best flow of the game. So if there's not been a yellow card in the game, great, fantastic. Not every game has a yellow card. Not every game has a red card. If we can referee that game of football with our personality and avoid being the centre of attention at full time, that is a long situation for all. Dominic, thank you so much. No worries, my man. No worries. This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod.